our third service for today. I think that I'll be preaching on something uh, very important to you. So invite your friends right now. Uh, all together, I think we have uh, on all platforms uh, approaching 2,000 uh, real people. If each one of you would invite somebody, somebody that you gossip with about my preaching. <laughs> Invite some family members and some friends and some foes. I'll give you a little time. I'm convinced that at least a third of the people who come, they don't come to support me or to help me. <laughs> they come because they, here's what they say. What is this Negro going to say this time? <laughs> uh, but you need to thank God for somebody in your life who will tell you the truth and not tell you what you want to hear and, and is not beholden to you or your money. Honey, okay? Your money can perish with you. I don't, I'm not, uh, uh, nobody can use money on me. That does not uh, matter to me. Never has. If it did, I I would have I would have become a very rich man, uh, and uh, I could have done it just like you have done it. But that's not what God called me to do, and that's not what He wanted me to do. And so, uh, invite. Friends, family members, foes, enemies, invite people who would love to see me uh, dead and gone. It's all right. I'm not going anywhere until God says so. As I have been doing over the past few days, before I get into the message, I want to share with you by reading, not singing, uh, to you a hymn because I, I've been always about the word since I got saved. I I heard the best music in the world growing up. My dad is known as the songbird of the South. Uh, my uncle Toby, who never took a lesson in piano playing, uh, was known to sing as well and to play the piano with a raspy voice and could accompany anybody and not knowing a note. Uh, my baby sister can sing. She got the she got the same gift my dad had. It skipped the rest of us. Um, I love my mother, but she can't sing, and she has never claimed to sing, and never tried to sing. I never heard my mother sing around the house, 
she's not a singer and I'm not either. Uh, my oldest, my, my sister under me can't sing. And my brother, who is, I believe and hope, is dead in heaven, could not sing. But the baby girl could sing. And she could blow. There's no doubt about it. But it, it skipped me. And I, I, I think I know the reason why, because I'll be singing all the time. I, I would be singing all the time. And God said, no, I don't want you singing. I want you to preach. So that's what he told me to do. Take my life and let it be. Now this is a song that we have sung at the house, me and my children. And uh, in family devotions. Uh, my wife, Marika White, was so full of the devil, she didn't sing it that much. But And even t tonight when I... I told her to give me the words. She had, she couldn't remember the title, and I said, "You know what I said? I said, find the song and and give me the words to the song." That's all I said. I didn't tell her the title or nothing. You know why? Because we have sung this song thousands of times. It's one of our favorite songs. It's one of my favorite songs. I mean, I mean, thousands of times at the house. Come thou fount of every blessing. And then at the church. I mean that, that, I mean, this is the song we open up to. Many Sundays. So I didn't say anything. I didn't tell anything. I should just find the song. So. See because rebellious Negroes. They, 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 they know it. But they, they know you love it so much. That they will not give it to you. See. And you know what she did? She found the song. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. That means that you can't sing for Jesus and sing for the devil too. And may God deliver us from these Christian singers, so-called, these evangelical singers, who write these songs where people don't know who they're talking about. We don't know if you're talking about you love Jesus or you love Bo Peep or Sylvia. Uh, we, as Christians, we don't have a strategy of ambiguity. Uh, take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Yes, filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I be withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose, every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. 
See, Jesus wants to sit, wants to sit on the throne of your heart. <laughs> he does not have just one throne. He has millions of thrones, my friend. He wants to dwell inside of you. See, you know this is of God. Who would have thought of something like that but God? Hmm. <laughs> what are we talking about here? What? 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 What are we talking about? Buddha would have never thought of anything like that. It's all about his teachings outside of the person. Uh, Hare Krishna, Muhammad. It's about the Quran. But Jesus takes up residence on the inside. This faith is genius beyond measure. Man, take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. It shall be thy royal throne. Now what some of you have done, you sweet evangelicals and you sweet Christians, I have to divide you sometimes because we were first called Christians at Antioch. We were never called evangelicals by God. And that would be a great change for us to go back to the name Christian. Somebody came up with the evangelicals to appease the political community in the world. Just like some devil came up with Xmas. He better get out of here with that. Uh, you see, you see, what happens to you people, you get slow cooked by the devil. Slow cooked. Slow boiled. Until you're dead. Like so many of you. How did, how did that happen? How did Satan Claus come on the scene? Uh, um, because Christians were asleep and chambering and swinging and jam jam boogie boogie. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet is treasure sore. Now what kind of writing is that? Is that not beautiful? Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever only all for thee. Francis R. Havergal. Glory be to God. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word as I continue to preach in your hearing. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was disrespected and dishonored by his own family and neighbors. I don't believe Jesus Christ had that many friends. He has a whole lot now, but back then I don't think he had a whole lot of friends. And this is part two of the Just Jesus Evangelistic Campaign, day 2025, since January the 20th, 2017, and day 2410, since January the 1st, 2016, the Just Jesus Evangelistic Campaign. And uh, we start at Matthew chapter 13. Verses 53 through 58, a profound, amazing, insightful passage as Jesus wraps up 
a series of amazing parables and teachings. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, into his own country, to his own hometown, where he was raised, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? He should have a hammer in his hand and some nails and some wood. How many God called preachers they had to deal with people who would come along and tell them you need to do this. You ought to be doing this. You ought not to be going to college and to seminary. You have a family to take care of. Like God can't take care of your family. Uh, you ought to be doing this and that. You ought to be doing it the American way. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James? We know them by name, Joseph and Simon and Judas. Uh, these folks are not the Jackson Five. The, these folks are not big-time operators. These are homeboys. They're not big shots. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things, what things, wisdom and knowledge and understanding and insight, authority and power? We don't know anything about this. Where, where did this come from? And they were offended in him. <clears throat> now I'm sure that you have heard the, proverb, the proverbial story it comes out of the South. I don't know. It may come from Apalachicola, Florida, the seafood capital of Florida. Uh, one of my hometowns. Crabbing. And, and it is the best seafood in the world to me. There's no fish like in the Apalachicola uh, area. It, it, it tastes different. You can't find it at Walmart or H-E-B. But anyway, I digress. One thing that you will hear from the Deep South, everybody has heard it, Negroes are like crabs. When they see you climbing out of the bucket, because you got to put the crab down in the bucket, They'll reach up with one of their claws and pull you down. They want to cut you down to size. 
they can't stand it that you are trying to get out from the uh, from the regular neighborhood, the crowd, the hood. Uh, they can't stand it. They are offended in you and by you for thinking that you're somehow uh, better than they are or you're somehow uh, going to dream bigger than them. And so they were offended in Jesus. Not, not rejoicing, not clapping their hands, not excited, not enjoying the blessing of having a homeboy to do well and become famous because of his deep wisdom and knowledge and understanding and insight. We need to cut him down to size. You don't come back up here in the hood of Nazareth and, and, and try to tell us something and, 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 and outshine us. You're just a carpenter, son, boy. That's what they'll tell you. Uh, the, 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 the Negroes in the South, the black folk in the South, will tell you from the for front porch while they are spitting tobacco into a can and can hit it like a bullet. And they'll holler at you once you get saved to come back to trying to lead them to Jesus, and they'll say, No, let that Bible make you crazy, boy. <laughs> and you got two or three on the porch, and, you know, they're giggling. Don't let that Bible make you crazy, boy. I was saved and, and in church, boy, when you were a baby and I had to change your nasty diapers. Don't come here telling all that now. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Shall we pray? Holy Father God in heaven, we pray on this night in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the man that we honor the Savior that we honor today, the man, Jesus Christ, who was not honored in his own hometown. Millions honor him today. Millions respect him today. And so do I. And we bow before him, your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Holy Father God, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Holy Father God, I praise you and I thank you for the millions and the many and the manifold blessings that you bestowed upon us since the other two services, Lord, this morning and this early afternoon. And Holy Father God, I praise you and I thank you for salvation and spiritual, family and life, financial and material, protection and provision, mental and physical blessings that you have bestowed upon us down through the years. And Lord God in heaven, I praise you and I thank you for all of my children standing with me in the ministry 
and supporting the ministry and the work. Thank you especially tonight for Daniqua Grace, Daniel Ezekiel, and Danielle Elizabeth, Bree Love, on duty and doing a fantastic job for you and for your kingdom. And uh, Lord, thank you for giving them a heart of faithfulness uh, to you so that your gospel and your holy word can flow out and go out. And Lord, we thank you for uh, all of the people who gather around. Some for good reasons and some for bad, but Lord, at least they hear the word. And Lord, we individually confess our sins, our failures, and our faults even tonight. Understanding, Lord, that you may require our soul tonight. Lord, it makes no difference who we are. We're no better than anybody else. And you can require our soul at will at any time. For Jesus Christ's sake, for those of us who are believers in you, Lord Jesus Christ, and who are saved by your grace and through your shed blood, have mercy and grace upon us, and please forgive us of our sins. Thank you for reminding us in the great communion service today, Lord, that we need your mercy. For one of the key lines in the communion song is, Lord, have mercy on me. Help us to never forget we have gotten saved by your mercy and grace, and we live by your mercy and grace. So please have mercy and grace upon us continuously. Please forgive us of our sins, our faults, and our failures. For those of us who are saved by your grace, crucify and crush our flesh afresh and anew deep down on the inside and fill us tonight with the fullness and the power, the unction and the anointing, the fruit and the liberty of your Holy Ghost. And Lord, deliver each and every one of us who is born again and saved and who have uh, and who name the name of Christ. Deliver each and every one of us tonight. Help us never to take it for granted. Help us never uh, think that we got this thing called life beat. uh, Lest we fall flat on our faces. And so we pray tonight. Uh, Lord, as you know, the devil tempted me hard today. Uh, uh, Lord, with a beautiful woman and you for some reason uh, gave me the supernatural energy and strength uh, to avoid her and to stay away from her and to turn my back on her and got me up on out of there like Joseph and Lord I thank you even in the midst of a great Sunday two great powerful services and unusual strength and grace and unction and anointing to preach your holy gospel. Lord, as you know, I told my wife today, I don't think I've ever preached the gospel better than those two times 
earlier today. And uh, Holy Father God, I thank you for what you have done. And I give you all of the glory, praise, and honor. And I do pray that you deliver each and every one of us who name the name of Christ from temptation, evil, and sin. Grant us your grace, your strength, and the power of your Holy Spirit to love right, to live right, to think right, to do right, to act right, and to do that which is pleasing in your sight. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. <coughs> And Holy Father God, pardon me, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight that you would help us who are saved by your grace to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways and to repent of our sins and to get back to you, our first love. And Holy Father God, I pray for the salvation of the lost for the revival of the saved, for the healing of the sick. Lord, if they're willing to confess their sins and repent. I pray for your children, and I pray for the salvation of those who are not your children, and I pray that you'll comfort all people during this painful and difficult time dealing with the coronavirus where hundreds are still dying, thousands are still dying every day around the world. Even though people, politicians, and preachers are full of the lying happy talk to try to deny uh, what you have done and what is going on right now. Because they want things to go their way and they want people to believe that what they're saying is uh, right and it is not. For People are going to the hospital every day with the coronavirus, not to mention the other plagues, now monkeypox, and now all of a sudden again polio in New York. Officials are saying many people are sick with polio. Now we don't, Lord, uh, I don't know if anybody uh, uh, Nobody rather should want polio or any other of these plagues. And so I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, help us to deal with the reality of it all. And Lord, comfort these people as only you can. We cannot. All we can do is pray for them. Draw them to yourself for salvation. And Holy Father God, we pray. Uh, that, Lord, you would indeed save the religious and lost, including my wife, Marika White, and other family members, revive those who are saved, and, Lord, save the irreligious. Draw them to yourself. They may not know how or why, but draw them to yourself for salvation as you did me. And, Holy Father God, as we go into the night, uh, Lord, I pray that you would deliver each and every one of us, uh, Lord, from all of our cares and burdens and worries. Lift all of our burdens, cares, worries, fears, and anxieties and troubles from our feeble hearts and minds, souls, and spirits. And Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that 
you will uh, help those of us who are saved and those of us by your grace that you've given a heart to humble ourselves and confess our sins and repent of our sins and to strive to do right by you. <clears throat> Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would deliver us from all tribulations and troubles and trials and temptations and tests and tensions with lessons learned, with brokenness and humility. Uh, even, uh, Lord, tonight, and we also pray that you would deliver each and every one of us who name the name of Christ around the world and who are saved. Deliver us, Lord, from all spiritual and mental, physical and emotional, family and financial, legal problems, student loan problems and debts, student progress problems. And Holy Father God, I pray uh, also that you would continue to show mercy and grace and protect all people from a housing, a mass housing crisis around the world, a mass food crisis, a mass uh, medical crisis, a mass utilities crisis. And Holy Father God, tonight as we all prepare to get into to bed soon, we do pray uh, that you would protect my family and all other families that name the name of Christ and all other people. Help us not to take our life for granted. Lord, just uh, from a cursory uh, view of the news, Lord, we are living in extremely perilous times. Uh, Lord, a person can work, walk into a grocery store and come out dead. So, Lord, help us not to think we're any different or any better than anybody. Uh, life can be over for us very quickly. So protect us tonight from ourselves, our flesh, and the devil. Protect us, Lord, from evil people in the family, evil people in the church, and evil people in the world. And Lord, uh, place upon us tonight the whole arm of God. Surround us all who are saved with the band of your holy angels and a wall of your holy fire. Save those who are lost. Receive all glory, praise, and honor to your name. Holy Father God, lift up your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant me supernatural energy, strength, unction, and anointing, freedom and liberty, and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for when I am weak, you make me strong. I don't understand that paradox, but I give you the glory, praise, and honor for it. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray and forsake. Amen. One of my favorite people of all time, and a man who knew Billy Graham, they were uh, great friends. And uh, one of those rare individuals who was uh, um, not only a contemporary of Billy Graham, but was on the same level that Billy Graham was on. And, and, and Billy Graham actually looked up to him as many, many preachers. He's not as quotable as... 
Spurgeon, but he's closer to us than Spurgeon is, and uh, but he uh, he's probably second or third as far as being the most quotable preacher uh, outside of Jesus and outside of Paul. Vance Havner said, it is possible in more ways than one to live in Nazareth today. See, he had a unique ability in our modern times to take you like he, what he's doing right now, taking you to Nazareth, putting you in Nazareth <laughs> today so that our Lord can do no mighty works among us because of our unbelief. One may know much about Jesus without really knowing Jesus at all. We have many people like that today in our sweet evangelical churches. Years ago, <clears throat> before evangelicalism was a thing, Vance Havner was dealing with the hypocrisy and the phoniness uh, and the allowing of sin in the church. He was not a popular preacher, uh, but he was uh, similar to Leonard Ravenhill in rebuking the church. God, he was a prophet like Leonard Ravenhill and even like Billy Graham. God is going to always raise up a prophet for the people of God. The Nazarenes were too close, he said, to him. Their very advantage became a disadvantage. They were so close to him that they were far from him. So too may we draw nigh to him with our mouths and honor him with our lips while our hearts are far from him. And that's where we are today. And everybody who has any spiritual sense knows that. Uh, we can talk a great game and we can talk about how much we love Jesus and, and sing about it and not even know Jesus. And one of the things that God led me to preach some years ago, quite a bit, was that some of us were getting too familiar with Jesus. It's a dangerous thing. Oh yes. You know, this uh, my daddy upstairs stuff. Uh, Jesus is my boyfriend and all this and he's my husband. That's alright. I don't have a husband. Jesus is my husband. All that kind of foolishness. Baby, Jesus is not your husband. He's not the husband of anybody but the church. So, forget all that. And, 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 you know, uh, all of this familiar talk. Like Jesus is your buddy. 
Uh, this was going on in the church, and that's one of the reasons why we're in the mess today. You're too familiar. You don't have the proper respect for God and Jesus. And some of you have gotten so familiar, you don't even take him seriously anymore. You push him to the periphery of your life. You marginalize him, which is disrespecting him. And, and Jesus does not take kindly to that, nor does God. At all. Okay, see. See. One of the reasons why you're in trouble right now in the church is because you have disrespected God and you have disrespected Jesus Christ by doing that to him, being ungrateful, unthankful, taking him for granted, becoming so familiar with him that you uh, get to the point where you are ashamed of him to even witness for him or to tell your friends and your buddies even your homosexual friends about Jesus because you know they don't want to hear it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, you Judas. And that's why we're in the mess we're in today. That's why God is chastising us and rebuking us. And I get so tickled with some of my dear preachers. You know, you know there's some preachers who are trying to take you back to pre- coronavirus plague, church life. I know two right now. They're in my mind right now. And God's not going to let you go back there. Because he doesn't. that's the reason why he has chastised you and rebuked you. But that's, they're so gung-ho and so uh, uh, hell-bent on, on having that fake church mess going on again where the emphasis is on money and crowds. That's not real church, man, necessarily. And it ought not ever be about that. If a crowd comes, it ought to come because the people in the church are saved and they're beaming the light of Jesus through holiness of life. Confessing their sins and repenting of their sins and living a holy life. And by the power of God, uh, that should happen. But uh, smoke in the churches now we got to have a concert kind of a experience with smoke coming I mean whatever that is they use I know it's cancerous and the church is dark now and we and uh, you know trying to have all kinds of uh, ridiculous events to draw people now that's not church man you might you might as well give it up you fake church meisters and humble yourself down and just go ahead and focus on what you know you need to focus on. Start worrying about the impact you're having. Start worrying about who comes and who does not come. You make sure you do. You make sure you go and make sure you do what God called you to do and you leave the results to God whenever he wants to produce results. Get back to praying. Get back to reading the Bible. Get back to uh, God perish the thought that we will let a homosexual couple be members in the church. They can come, but they can't be members of the church of God. 
man. Anyway, Dr. R.C. Sproul said, the one place, and I want to thank my son Daniel Ezekiel for helping me with uh, putting together these sermons. Dr. R.C. Sproul said, the one place we might expect Jesus to receive a warm welcome is in Nazareth. The town in which he was raised. Do you know, however, that does not happen? People who, men who try to pastor a church in their hometown, until, unless they compromise and they're really not saved and called, uh, they're just uh, the pastor's son and all of that, and he gets by with that. Uh, they don't make it in their hometown. They don't make it. It's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Boy, I know your daddy. But, uh, man, we used to go here. And, and they always want to put you in a sinful uh, situation. They, they uh, Man, I remember you used to go and run those girls. Boy, you were something else, wasn't you? <laughs> yeah, the devil is a lie. Huh? The people of Nazareth are amazed at the wisdom and power of the carpenter's son. This is due to their familiarity with Jesus. He was raised among them. They saw him go to school. They saw him with their brothers. They saw him when they marched up to Jerusalem and back. And his upbringing they were familiar with. They know his family well. And apparently no one in his clan is all that remarkable. Lacking a formal education. They know what kind of education he had. Jesus should not be able to teach with the authority that he is teaching with. And uh, let me just say here, uh, authority is something that is given by God. And, uh, and it's a real thing. And people can tell when you have the authority. They can tell. They may not like it, but they can tell you have it. Yet Mary's son is unafraid to instruct with boldness, yea, God's son. See, that boldness of authority is something else. And it comes from God, and you can't shake it. You can't bake it. You can't make it up. But and people may not like it; they may be offending in you. But they will go away wondering well, who, who gave him the authority to tell us how it is and what it's going to be. He doesn't have educational authority. He didn't graduate from Oxford. He didn't graduate from Yale. He doesn't have family authority. In other words, he does not come from a powerful family. 
they don't have a name like the Kennedys and uh, the Kings. Where does this, uh, where does he get off at? Telling us emphatically what the deal is and teaching us the word of God. He has not, he does not have the authority of the church of that time. Certainly, he does not have the authority of the temple, of the, of the priests. He's not ordained. He does not have a license. And by the way, folks, authority is a very important thing. See, you really can't get things moving in the way they should go without somebody having authority. Authority is important. Okay. And Jesus, however, had God's authority. What's wrong with many of the preachers of today, many of them are not called, and the mama called them, and daddy called them, and all of that. Uh, they, they don't preach with the authority of a Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham, one of the last of the true prophets of God, who preach with authority. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who preached with authority. He, both of them moved this nation and moved this world by God's authority. Very few preachers have that kind of authority today. Many don't even want it. And so, he continues, we would therefore expect the people in Nazareth to experience awe when in the presence of Jesus, whose teaching demonstrates that he is the Holy One of God. But their questions arise from contempt and offense. They were offended in him. They didn't like him. At one time, they wanted to throw him over a cliff. Uh, the devil gets riled up against Jesus' authority and will uh, get people all riled up against God's servant. And there's nothing you can do to stop that. You can, you can compromise if you want to and try to be sweet and talk and all of that, as so many preachers do. But that's not going to get it if you're truly called by God. And, and a true prophet is not even going to try to do that. Some pastors do that uh, at their peril. They come... Uh, they compromise the word and they try to appease the people and they lose every time and they and the people still don't like you because they know that you are appeasing them because they know deep down you really want to say the truth 
but you are afraid of them. Dr. Warren Worsby, the great theologian who is now home in heaven, said, When Jesus finished these parables, he went across the sea in a storm and delivered the demoniacs in the country of the Gadareans. And by the way, we have some demoniacs living today. Uh, let me tell you something, you modern-day sweet evangelicals who don't believe God's word about the devil, and you sweet charismatics, while the devil is wreaking havoc in your family, in your lives, in your churches. Uh, there's a devil somewhere. You cannot explain what's happening in America other than there's a real devil who has sent out his demons. Just today it is reported. This is horrifying. This is frightening. These demons are terrorizing people. Can you imagine living in a community? And because a man is a demoniac, and he's over there in his house thinking that you are using telepathy to control his mind, I say to you again, there's a devil loose. You cannot explain the stuff that's going on, the murders that are being committed today without understanding and recognizing that there is a devil loose. There are demons running rampant in this country because the church has dropped her God and the floodgates of hell are open. Pastors don't pray anymore, and so the people in the pew don't pray anymore. Instead, in the words of Leonard Ravenhill, they play. They don't pray, and then they stray. And he was right then, and he's right now. Matthew recorded this in 8:28-34, and I read that to you last week. It was then that Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth after casting out demons. And this event, Matthew recorded in 1353 through 58, two things amazed the people of Nazareth, his hometown. He was, if you will allow me to say, a homeboy raised up in Nazareth. God forgive me if I'm wrong. The Lord's words and his works. However, they did not trust in him. See, this is where it really gets dicey. When your family members and your friends and Mary is right there in the bunch, with all due respect, and they don't trust you. They don't trust you anymore. They used to trust you. But now that God has raised you up as a prophet, and you have wisdom 
that's billions of years beyond theirs. They don't trust you. And you have power to cast out demons. They don't trust you. One of the tricks of the devil that he will use uh, with family members and friends to, to try to get you off of your game, true men of God, like they did with Jesus, is you, you have family members and friends who will try to make you out in, as, as a liar and try to uh, cause other people to show distrust in you. Now, deep down, they trust you, and they, 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 they know that you're not going to lie about anything, but that's what they'll do. The devil will twist their minds and hearts and make it seem like you're dishonest. It's a psychological, demonic ploy. Now, the prophet is not rattled by that because he knows where it comes from. And let me say to persecutors and to Judases, you can do what you please. The prophet, the truly God-called prophet, is not moved by things like that because he already knew you were coming before you came. And he knew your game before you tried to play it. And he knows your ploys before you try to use them. He's not rattled. Have you noticed that? He's not rattled by any of it. He's not shocked by any of it. He's not surprised by any of it. He was, in fact, trying to help you. <clears throat> before you tried to bring your foolishness. The reason for that is because normally the prophet of God is given over to prayer to God. And God blesses him with not only wisdom and knowledge and understanding and insight, but uh, discernment as well. And God will show him what's going to happen before it happens. That's why he will never be baffled. And no matter how much you try to hurt him, he's not going to be hurt. He's unhurtable. Unless he's a pastor. Pastors get hurt all the time. And they absorb it somehow. But a prophet is unhurtable. You can't hurt him. Because his, he's locked in on God. And Jesus. And so it's best for you to cease trying to hurt him. Or hinder him. Or trying to stop him. Uh, he's like that proverbial horse. Or donkey that people kept throwing dirt on the donkey. They, they digged a hole and they tried to bury the donkey alive and the donkey would just shake it off and pat it down. That's how a true prophet of God is. They shake it off. You can try to bury them alive. They shake it off and pat it down. Shake it off and pat it down. Before you know it, they're eye level with you. You devils. Family, friends, and foes. And their greatest enemies would be they of their own household. Jesus said this. Now he didn't just say that for himself. He didn't need that encouragement. He knew what the people were doing. He knew what they were going to do to him. He's the one that told you he was going to be crucified. 
betrayed not only by family members and friends and foes and disciples, but betrayed by his own race and people. And used the enemy, the Romans, against him. That's the most twisted betrayal in the history of the world, my dear friends. Is that painful? Would that be painful for the uh, 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 normal human being? Of course. When, when you are so betrayed that your family members, your brethren according to the flesh, use their, their enemy to kill you. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a bad situation. By the way, I'm personally asking again that somebody would get with Denzel and do my play, my screenplay. Pilot got saved. And all I want Denzel Washington to do, and if he doesn't do it, Chris Pratt. He looks like a Roman. He looks like a Roman. Chris Pratt is 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 the real deal. But Denzel Washington is. You say, well, wasn't Pentag- uh, wasn't Pilot uh, white, whitish? Uh, probably so. I, uh, you know, no doubt. As I we've seen him before. But Denzel it transcends transcends race. And let me say something to you black evangelicals and black Christians. Now first of all, I hate some how some black conservatives carry themselves. I, I don't want to ever be associated with that. This spirit of uh, condemning uh, everything that pertains to black uh, and, and got to twist yourself up in a pretzel to agree with everything that comes from white conservatives. N- no, nobody ought to be that way, black or white. Okay, I, And I can't stand it. I hate it with a passion. And for years, and I, 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 don't, I, I don't ever want to associate. I don't associate myself with people who call themselves like that, black conservatives. I am black, but I am a Christian, and I believe what Jesus Christ says, and I believe some things that uh, black folks say and believe in and want, and I believe, uh, and this is all free, and I uh, like some things that some white folks are saying and they want. For example, uh, I'm against abortion. If mostly white conservatives are for that, so be it. But I'm also against the government making students pay student loans after the coronavirus plague, when you've had to suspend payments for three years, which means you can suspend them forever. And it's a lie to say, oh, well, uh, uh, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for it. No, they don't have to pay for anything. You send out billions of dollars of checks. Uh, I mean, you call it what you want. Uh, So that all should be forgiven and so that this never happens again. 
for the benefit of the government and for the benefit of the taxpayers shut down the student loans. It's nothing but for many people a noose to hang themselves with. Now I do thank God for a country who had that thought and who did that for many years to help people uh, get a college education. I thank God for a country that would do that. But okay, now we're in a different situation. Okay, three years of the plague. You've already lost trillions. So forgive everybody of the debt. Everybody. Black, white, red, yellow, rich, poor. Who have forgive it. Write it off. You know how to write things off? Sure you do. And then shut it down. And tell the colleges to bring their prices down to where they belong. Where people can pay. If they want a college education, they can pay for it. And since you're going to pretty much take it at home and do your courses at home, they ought to bring it way down. That's all free. And so I say, I didn't say anything about it at the time because she was involved in making movies and probably her publicist told her to do this. But I believe that Priscilla uh, Evans Shira, Priscilla Shira, was right what she said in the moment of speaking to a congregation. She was right. And she knew she was right. As a born-again Christian, I'm black. I love being black. God made me black. I don't want to be white. I love black so much, I wear black suits all of the time. I prefer a black car. Uh, if I had the money, I'd black top uh, the house that uh, I sold. Black top the pave, uh, the driveway. I love black women. I married one. But I think as a Christian, I don't think of myself as black. And it's very dangerous to do that as a Christian. Because... You can't speak to everybody. I mean, you, you got to speak to everybody as a born-again Christian. You got to love everybody as a born-again Christian. That's why I'm not with Black Lives Matter. I'm not. Is there racism? Yes. Do I preach against it? Yes. But I also preach against black folk doing evil and wrong and not submitting to authority. When they should. And I preach against black folks tearing up cities trying to have their way. Tearing down police stations. It don't, I don't care if you like it or not. I'm not for that. And I'm black. I'm just as black as you. And I love being black. I don't want to be anything else. But at the same time, I love white folks. And I love red folks. And brown folks. And yellow folks. And black folks.
and you ought to be the same way. By the way, all of your heroes, you know, you know, uh, uh, they have many white friends, and you're not one of them, even though you're black. They have many Jewish friends. You know how many of your black heroes get rich or die trying because of some good white folks and some good Jewish folk and yellow folk in the Christian community and in the non-Christian community, my dear friends. Your black heroes are on a boat somewhere right now in a, in a country that you don't even know about with a bunch of white folks. By the way, Oprah has helped more white folks get major positions in this country than she has black. She's helped black people too. And so I, I, I'm sharing this because this has been on my heart for the past week or two that as black Christians you've got to stop thinking uh, black only. And you, can't, and you cannot afford to be all about black all of the time and call yourself a child of God. You need to be a Christian and even-handed and fair-handed with everybody. And uh, as a born-again Christian, you say black lives matter? Yes. White lives matter too. Matter too. Yellow lives matter as well. You ought to be, je- you ought to be furious at people knocking uh, Chinese and Japanese people out on the street. It's not funny. At all. I saw an Asian lady just get, almost get killed by three black hooligans. I'm not for the black hooligans. I'm for that lady, whether you like it or not. And I wrote a book on letters to young black men and letters to young black women. I'm, 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 I'm the president and owner, editor-in-chief of Black Christian News. I'm, I'm, I'm down with the black. Okay? But, but I love all people because of Jesus Christ, God's love. And, and if you want to influence people for Christ all over the world, it's time out for all of that, man. She was right when she said that, and she was wrong when she apologized for it. She'll never apologize for that. It's a beautiful thing that Christ can transcend you above race and color. Will it be painful some, uh, sometime? Will the white folks always treat you the way you want to be treated? No. But uh, use my rule. And this is my, this is my rule across the board. If you don't treat me as, if white Christians do not respect me and treat me uh, like they do their white brethren, then we just won't have a relationship. And I say that across the board, with even family members who may persecute me or uh, try to hinder me in the ministry, including my wife. If she disrespects me and uh, does not honor me and reverence me as her husband and obey what I tell her, 
and submit to me. Or we just will not have the relationship she might want. There's broken fellowship there. And God does the same thing to us. We do evil against him. We disrespect him. We dishonor him. The first line of chastisement is painful, broken fellowship. I'm just not going to have the, the fellowship with you. That's all. And I'll fellowship with those who have the same kind of uh, respect for me as they do for their white brethren. Across the board. Now that's all free. Let me wrap this up for tonight. However, they did not trust in him. This is a ploy that your enemies will use. They will suggest that you are a liar, that you're lying about something, that you're hiding something, that you're covering up something. See, And this limited his ministry there, see. So, so who, who, who lost out? Jesus or the people? Jesus was the greatest thing to, to happen to Nazareth and the greatest thing that came out of Nazareth. And they didn't reap the benefits like people all across the region. Jesus had just cast out the demoniac, the demons uh, that when the demoniacs in Gadarene, he could have cast demons out in Nazareth. Because that primarily uh, this is the problem that they had. They were lost. They did not believe in Jesus Christ. They did not trust in him. They did not depend upon him. They did not have faith in him. And so he could not and chose not to do great works there. He, he can't operate in that environment to make things come to pass because they didn't believe in him. They were basically calling him a liar and, 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 and trying to make him seem untrustworthy. We know you. Don't come here with that. Belittling him. And by the way, that's a very dangerous thing to do. Because you never know. What caused the people to doubt him and to distrust him? They were too familiar with him in a human way. In a human sense. For he had grown up in their midst. It was a case of knowing him after the flesh and not having the spiritual discernment, the spiritual discernment, the spiritual discernment. Do you know what's wrong with uh, the church today? We, we don't have people who have spiritual discernment and therefore they don't know what time it is. Pastors, preachers, prophets, who should not, they ought not have even named these, some of these people are not even utter the name prophet or preacher or pastor or priest or prophet or 
or a pastor or a bishop they ought to not even add that to their name they, they don't have any discernment they are truly what Jesus Christ said the blind leading pardon me the blind leading the blind you know why the blind lead the blind because they do not have any wisdom from God they do not have any discernment from God they do not have this thing called insight from God and so the blind lead the blind and in this case in Nazareth the leaders of Nazareth Nazareth they were blind leading the blind and Jesus the light of the world was right there in their midst that God gives to those who will yield to him these people walked by sight and not by faith but if his own friends and family did not trust him what hope was there that the nation and the world would believe on him words be said I'm just laying the groundworks for if the Lord tarries his coming, we'll be here until October the 1st in this passage. If the Lord tarries his coming and we live. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus had preached at Nazareth. And had been rejected. And now he was rejected again. This was his final visit to Nazareth. The Son of God rejected. And if the Son of God was reje rejected by his own family and neighbors and friends he grew up with, what about you? See, that's the point of the message. If you are a truly God-called preacher, then your family and friends and neighbors who knew you, they're going to reject you too. You're not Jesus. Nowhere near it. And, and this message is for you so that you will not falter and faint because of your family members, friends, and neighbors persecuting you, hating you, being offended by you, don't like the things you say. Oh, but somebody else can say they'll love it because they're familiar with you. And so, so this is the reason why, my dear friends, I've never tried, you know, see, education, wisdom and knowledge and insight in the sermon can save you years of time. I knew this passage early on because I read it and God taught me it and God told me. God literally told me, do not even try to win over your religious family members. Don't, don't, even, don't even try. Yeah, I want you to witness to them, tell them about me, and that's it. Don't even try to get them out of their tra traditions. Pray for them that God would send somebody else that they're not familiar with. 
to draw them out of their foolishness and their blindness and their darkness and their sin. See, I got saved out of all of that confusion. You understand? God, I, I do believe now that God called some people from the womb. And he did that with me, I do believe. And I'm, I'm the most unworthy person in the history of the world, as far as I'm concerned. But for some reason, he chose me. Because when I was a little boy growing up in that confusion, religious confusion, members of five or six churches, in church all day on Sunday and sometime during the week, I would go home and pray, Lord, show me the light. Now, where did that come from? Where did that come from? My dad never asked me to do that or tell me to do that. My mother told me, never told me to do that. They thought they had the light before my dad got saved by listening to Billy Graham. And I don't believe my mother saved to this day. She is religious, very religious. But also disobedient to the word of God to this day. And one thing I know about getting saved, it may not happen overnight, but after a while, by and by, you're going to learn from God very well to be obedient to the scriptures. And you're not going to cast the scriptures behind your back based upon how you feel. But God told me that a long time ago. So it doesn't matter to me what my family thinks of me. I can care less. I can care less. It means nothing. And I have never done what I do for them or to please them or to get their applause. Their applause means nothing to me. Why? Because I learned this passage a long time ago and it saved me years of heartache and pain. And then one time my oldest son and I put together a sermon series based upon a similar passage and I believe that sermon series had more of an impact and preparation in my heart uh, than the people I preached to because it sticks with me to this day. And that is the passage dealing with your greatest enemies will be there of your own household. So I'm not shocked by anybody in my family, including children who get deceived by devilish people and uh, get their minds twisted from the word of God that they learned from being in my family, in my household, and my raising them up. I anticipated it. I warned them about it before they left. And I told them, it's okay if you want to try to connect with my mother and them and your mother's mother and them because I intentionally kept you from them. so that you wouldn't get messed up by them. And, but just be careful when you go uh, because there's a certain power with family that can get your mind twisted around. And uh, you can adopt a demonic attitude and spirit from them that's hard to get out of because it produces a root of bitterness. See, and I know that's not the American way Okay, and that's what you want us to always focus on, the American way, on how we've been doing it for so many years. 
and here's what I believe, and here's what I know. After a while, you know, you're free to do what you want. And uh, after a while, by and by, you're going to find out that the Bible was true all along. And these people are lost and demon-possessed. And they're trying to make you twofold more the child of hell than themselves. But you're grown. You go ahead, right ahead and do that if that's what you want. It doesn't faze me a bit. Because I, I anticipate that. I expect that. But I also expect my children to stand on God's word. Dr. Worsby wraps up those villagers had no more opportunities to have Jesus in their midst. Jesus would be known as Jesus of Nazareth and his followers would be called Nazarenes. But, in fact, there's a church named the Church of the Nazarene. But Nazareth would not receive him Nazareth, his hometown, did not believe in him. Family members and foes. And you say, well, uh, why was Mary quiet through all of this? I don't know, and I don't know if she was quiet. But here's what happens. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Here's what happens with people. People, we are so wretched and so... Uh, full of ourselves and the sinful nature. Our sinful nature. That we want to be approved by people and we can care less about being approved by God. And so family is very dangerous. You cannot get yourself, you should not get yourself as a child of God all entangled in the family. More hell has come out of the family throughout the history of the world than a little bit. This is why I preached a series a couple of years ago. Family is not everything. That's a motto. That's a saying. Family is everything, you know. Family is everything. No, family can't be everything. God is everything. Jesus is everything. Family can't be everything because God is the one who gave you the family or put you in the family. So it can't be everything. That's what the devil wants you to think. And that's what people who don't know God and don't want to know God and people who are not saved. Okay, that, that's, that's their motto. Family is everything. Family is everything. Family is everything. There's more hell in family than a little bit. Once you get grown and you're saved and you get married, I, I have suggested and I have preached, move away from your family and have a better family than the family you came out of. That's what I did by the grace of God. Our family was at least 80% better than the family I was raised in. And that's how it ought to be, particularly if you're saved and born again. It's not going to be perfect, but it should be better. And my children, if they get married and have a family, their family should be better. 
than the family they were raised in. I have no problem with that. And, and by the way, parents, I have no problem with my children doing way better than me. I love it. I'm excited about it because I had a hand in doing it. And by the way, let me tell your parents something. If you don't, listen to me, you young parents out there, getting ready to put your children in, into uh, a hellhole school. I said a hellhole school. They're telling you to your face. They are going to change your boy into a girl, and they're going to change your girl into a boy. While you're out there working a job, woman, wife, mother, that does not mean a hill of beans. You need to come down off your lifestyle and bring your children home. I wouldn't give you two cents for putting your child and your children to a hellhole school where they may not come back alive or they may not come back as the same person. They will have a different name that they call them at school and won't even tell you. They're telling you that to your face. The president of the NEA has told you that to your face, a black woman. We're going to promote homosexuality. We're going to have homosexual lesbian books uh, read in the school. And there's a curriculum. I said there's a curriculum that uh, deals with questions like how does sperm taste? They call it semen. I never learned that growing up in the schools that I was in. And nobody ought to learn such demonic foolishness. How to, how do, this is, this is in the curriculum. And they're going to teach it from kindergarten, first grade on up. They're going to transform your children into demoniac homosexual zombies. That's what they're doing. And they are seeking to destroy your family. People. Oh, but you, you got, you can't wait to for school to open to get that free daycare so you can do your whoremongering and whoring around and your uh, creeping and you're getting high and getting drunk before you have to pick them up. You're not working anywhere anyway. You might as well keep your children at home. And by the way, did you not know? Do you not know? That from California to North Kakilaki they don't even have teachers. The teachers have quit. Do you hear me? The teachers have quit the schools. And yet you want to pour your poor little innocent children in these hellhole schools. You know why many of the teachers have left? Because they're not with the bull that these people are putting down. But yet, because you want the American way so badly... You want that school system to be open. Got pastors promoting it. Have you forgotten Uvalde? It's going to be more Uvalde's man, woman. The police officers have proven to you that they're not uh, 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 people who are cowards. They're not. What they, what they have done since they have been called everything but a child of God and have been defunded. In their minds, they're saying, I was called to do this and I'm going to do it to a certain level. 
but I'm going home to my wife and my children, even if your wife and children don't make it. Now, you can, you can, you can take that for what it's worth, but that's the mentality. Do you hear me? Look at me real good. That is the mentality, my beloved. And I don't blame them. I thank God for the police officers. And they're not cowards. And they're not fraidy cats. They're just not going to die anymore. For your family. And the teachers are sick and tired of raising your children. They, 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 they're hip to what you've been doing. You've been using them as a glorified daycare center so you can have a break for nine months from your own children and throw your little demoniac children on them and give them a heart attack. And they got to mind 30 of them in one classroom. And they don't get paid enough. So they have quit just like you have quit your job. The school system is shot to hell. God is not in it. And the devil is. And I'm telling you to your faces. You're not worth to be you're not worth being called a parent to put your child into these hellacious schools. It's child abuse. Stay home and take care of your own children from now on. If you can go to church at home. You can have homeschool. Matthew chose this event as a fitting close to the section rebellion against the king. Rebellion against the king. Let's pray. Holy Father God in heaven, I pray in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help your people. Lord, it does not matter what title they have over their name, evangelical or Baptist or charismatic or whatever. If they are born again and saved, help them to take your holy word seriously from Genesis to Revelation and to obey it and not get caught up in the world and the American way and family is everything motto and other such foolishness and help them not get caught up the blind with the blind leading the blind help them to pray for themselves Help them to make up their minds whether their family members, their mother, their father, their auntie or uncle or cousin or uh, father, mother, if they don't want to follow Jesus, that they're going to make up their minds to do so even if they're ostracized out of the family. Help them to know tonight it's okay. For millions have had to stand alone with you. And... Uh, Standing with you and believing in you is like having millions beside us. And so, Holy Father God, tonight, give me the energy, the strength, the unction, the power of your Holy Spirit for the third time today to help somebody else come to know you as Savior, to proclaim your Holy Gospel, your good news. 
so that they can be saved. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you're with us tonight and you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a desire in your soul and spirit to say, Lord, please show me the light. As God put in my soul and spirit, surrounded by churches, all kinds of churches, the Disciples of Christ Church is the first church that I can remember in New York. And then the Mount Shiloh Baptist Church in James City, North Carolina. And then the Church of the Living God, now called the Love Center Church in Apalachicola, Florida. The Church of the Pillar and the Ground of the Truth and then the Undenominational Holiness Church of James City, North Carolina. And on and on. But yet, Lord, even though I was a member of those churches and visited those churches with my dad and mom, I knew I was lost. When they baptized me in Apalachicola, Florida at the age of 12 at the Church of the Living God, founded by my great-grandfather. I knew that I went down a dry center, center and came up a wet center. When I was in Easter Plays, I knew I was lost. I did not know I was going to hell, though. <clears throat> when I sang in the choir at the Undenominational Holiness Church and the Mount Shiloh Baptist Church, I knew something was not right. I couldn't put my finger on it. And so for some reason, Lord, you had me to pray. Lord, show me the light. And I was the biggest sinner in the church. Biggest sinner in my family. It's the strangest thing to be such a wicked sinner and evil and a whoremonger and yet find myself at the age of 10, age of 12, age of 14, age of 16, age of 17 and 18, on my knees crying out to you, Lord, please show me the light. Lord, I do wonder how many other people have done that. It's the strangest thing. And then you showed me the light, December the 19th, 1979. Thank you for waiting on me. Thank you, Lord, for waiting on these people before me tonight. Lord, show them the light. Dear friend, if you're not saved, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, understand that the Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're no worse than anybody else. From the Pope on down, from the Dalai Lama on down, from even Joel Osteen, pastor of the largest church in America on down, we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. Elon Musk is in that boat with us. Jeff Bezos is in that boat with us. Zuckerberg is in that boat with us. Bill Gates is in that boat. We're all in the same boat of sin. We're all sinners. We all have done evil in our lives, haven't we? Lying, dishonesty, 
stealing and robbing, lusting and coveting after people and things, dishonoring and disobeying and hating our parents for no reason, dishonoring God by taking his name in vain, committing adultery, if not with our bodies, with our eyes. For Jesus Christ said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you have committed adultery already in your heart. Committing fornication, having sex outside of marriage, committing the abomination of homosexuality to uh, wicked, ugly men together, two beautiful women, wicked, beautiful women together. It's an abomination in God's sight. It's a sin in God's sight. God didn't make you to do that. You're doing that on your own. <coughs> we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. The paycheck that you will receive for all of the sins you have committed is death. We die because of our sins and our sinful nature. That's why we die. We don't die because of some disease, we die because of the sin disease. And God wants you to know that if he will allow you to die from this beautiful ball called earth, hung on nothing but God's word, he will allow you to go to hell if you do not believe in his plan of salvation. If you do not believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who suffered and bled and died on the cross as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world, your sins and mine. He was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God. That is called the gospel in the Bible. Gospel means good news. It is good news because, my dear friend, you are on your way to a devil's hell. That Jesus Christ said the fire shall never be quenched. And Jesus Christ cannot lie. God, God cannot lie. And Jesus Christ is not known for playing games, nor is God. We may play games and we may try to fool people. But God does not do that. Jesus does not do that. They don't, it's not in them to do that. You need to understand. So please get out of your mind that Jesus is just telling us about hell to spook us and to scare us so that we would get saved. And then he's going to tell us in heaven that oh, there was never a hell. He just said that because, you know, he's so loving. I, I, I do want to disabuse you of that thought. That's not how it is, people. God does not play like that. We play like that. Jesus does not play like that. 
We do practical jokes like that. They don't do, uh-uh. Please understand me. Look at my head. I'm trying to tell you something. God does not play practical jokes. Jesus does not play practical jokes, man. They mean what they say. See, yes, he is very loving. So loving. Jesus Christ said the most powerful, most loving words and, and the most important words in the history of mankind. To mankind. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, he was speaking of himself, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, the word whosoever means anybody at any time, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means you will not perish in hell, and it also means that if you don't believe in him, and you're not sincere in your belief of him, uh, you will perish in hell. But God wants you to have everlasting life. So I, I want to help you to understand that God does not play. His word is his bond. He cannot lie. Jesus cannot lie. And they do not practice are practical jokes. They don't they don't do practical jokes. They don't do that. You understand me? They do not do that. If you die unsaved, if you die not believing in Jesus Christ, you're going to the burning hell, yea, the lake of fire. And you will stay there and suffer there throughout eternity. There is no limbo. That's another lie that the devil has put out there. There's no limbo. There's no in-between. There's no vestibule of rest. There's no purgatory where your sins are purged away and somebody can pray you out of hell. Nobody's going to, once you go to hell, nobody's going to pray you out of hell. You will be there forever, man. That's why this is my third time preaching today. I don't have to preach to be saved. I'm preaching because I am saved and the time is short. And I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. You need to be saved tonight. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou you shall be saved. If you want to be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart his gospel, his good news. That he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose from the dead by the power of God. Believe in him. Trust in him. Pray and ask him to save your soul, for the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not about church membership. I preached earlier in the communion service. You can take 10,000 communion services. You can give uh, 10,000 communion services and still die and go to hell. You can get baptized 100,000 times and die and fry in hell. You can speak in tongues. You're going to speak in more tongues than that in hell. You can dance and you can shout. 
And you can run around the church all you want to. That, that has nothing to do with salvation. None of that. Giving money to the church, your money will be burned up in hell. You don't have enough money. All of the billionaires of the world, if they gathered together before God's throne and tried to pay for salvation, it would be refused. Because our God owns the uh, owns uh, a cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills, and he does not need anybody's money. You can't pay for this salvation. You can't do good works for this salvation. None of that will save you. You do good works after you get saved. You get baptized after you get saved. You give willingly to the Lord through the church after you get saved. But not until. God does not need your money. He wants you to get saved. So, if you want to be saved tonight, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ said, and let's pray the sinner's prayer together. I'll lead you. Please uh, repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Let's pray. Holy Father God, I acknowledge and I admit that I am a wicked, evil sinner. like everybody else and I am no better than anybody else help me to lay aside my pride for Jesus Christ's sake please have mercy and grace upon me a sinner and please forgive me of all of my sins as I now believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ. As I now believe that you suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for my sins. Was buried and rose from the dead by God's power. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to change. Help me to truly repent of all of my sins. Help me to turn from my evil lifestyle and help me to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, in the new life. For it is in Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you have truly believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have believed in your heart his good news, his gospel, that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God so that you can go free and be saved from hell and saved to heaven. And you called on his name and you meant it. I declare that based upon God's holy word, the Bible, you are now saved from hell and on your way 
to heaven. And now, dear friend, if you want to grow in the faith, and I'm sure you do, to help you to grow in the faith, rather, please go to GospelLightSociety.com and read my book, free of charge, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. And if you, uh, some of you are not quite clear yet on the gospel, I have a book that I believe is right beside it, How to Be Saved from Hell, straight from the Bible. Read that. First, make sure you're saved, you understand salvation, and then read the other book as to what you ought to do after you enter through the door because Jesus Christ said, I am the door. And if you believed in him tonight, you just walked through. Also email us and let us know that you got saved so that we can pray for you and rejoice with you and uh, send you more information to help you grow in the faith. You can send it to that same email or whatever email is on your platform. My staff have multiple emails out there and I don't know all of them, but they know. And they know the email where most of the salvation uh, uh, accounts come from, come, come into. So wherever you are, send it to that email. Also, uh, if you have a prayer request, if you need somebody to pray for you, we pray for people every day. And we'll be glad to pray for you until you tell us to stop. So send in that prayer request to whatever email is on your platform. And they'll get it. They'll let me know and I will pray for you personally. So my dear friends, thank you so much for being with me for another great Sunday night and our third service of this day. We give God all of the glory, praise, and honor and we thank the Lord for you being with us as well. If God has blessed you tremendously, we're not, and, 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 and if you're hurting, do not sacrifice and give anything <clears throat> to our ministry. God has already raised up some people to help us, and we'll make it. You keep that money for yourself. I'm talking about the abundantly rich who do not even think about bills. We could use your help. And as my daughter, Daniqua Grace, points out to me every day now, uh, the information is on Facebook. You can give to Gospel Light Society Cash App. We'll get that money immediately. Gospel Light Society PayPal. I believe the email is gls at Gospel Light Society. I think that's what it is. If you have a large gift, and we need it now because a certain part of our ministry that is not uh, tax deductible is under attack. Blackchristiannews.com is under attack by the devil and, and, and people, I believe, on the inside and on the outside. And so uh, 
we uh, we're dealing with as we have dealt with for years what they call uh, frivolous lawsuits and so pray for us regarding that and uh, one of my sons will help me put up uh, by tomorrow sometime hopefully a legal uh, fun thing uh, because of my preaching on that site and because of what we put on that site which is against wokeism and against uh, the abomination of homosexuality and against uh, other foolishness and sin we're under attack constantly and it's all designed to try to distract me from what God has called me to do uh, the devil has never been successful at that by God's grace and he's not going to be successful now. So if you're sitting on millions of dollars, we humbly uh, ask that you would donate $100,000, $200,000 so that we can uh, have the legal team, professional legal team to defend us and block these frivolous lawsuits oftentimes with their authority and education they can um, uh, just write a letter and solve the problem so <clears throat> and then we need support for the ministry so that I can continue to preach the gospel each and every day until Jesus comes or until I die and uh, I give God the glory for the privilege. $7 would help. $20 would help. $100 will help. Only from people who have an abundance of money. If you are struggling and you can hardly make ends meet, do not send us any money. You keep your money for you and your family. Do not send me, send our ministry, or any preacher your money if you're struggling and uh, you're getting money from the government that's not for the church that's for you and your family don't listen to these lying preachers uh, trying to get your money uh, you keep your money and you you keep it in your house for your family so that you can buy food no matter how high it gets so that you can put gas in your tank. Uh, no matter how high the gas gets. Okay? But there are thousands of folks. Who money is not a problem. Uh, I will never compromise the word of God. But I do ask. Sister Oprah. I do ask brother uh, Perry. I do ask Brother Denzel Washington. I do ask Brother Kirk Franklin. I know about you, brother. God has blessed you to be a millionaire. Help a brother out. You have friends who are helping me out. I'm sure they'll give, give you a good word. Uh, and... Uh, I'm calling on Dr. T.D. Jakes. I know you're mad at me, but uh, I know you love me, and I, want, and, and I need your help. 
and uh, and I and, and one of the things you can do for me is get in touch with Denzel Washington, Perry, Tyler Perry, get in touch with Brother Denzel Washington to do my play, my soliloquy. I think that's what my wife called it. In my my vision, you don't even have to have a character playing Jesus because nobody really can play Jesus. And Denzel Washington is such a powerful actor, it'll be like Jesus is in the room with what he can do with it. And what I want him to do, and I can hear him now, you won't talk to me? Don't you know I have the power? I can see Denzel Washington doing that. So please get in touch with him. Will Smith, brother, I'm not mad at you about the slap. Chris Rock is mad at you, but I'm not mad at you. And if you would allow me to say, it was one of the most beautiful slaps in the history of the world. But I can't say that. So I'm not going to say that, Will Smith. So you, 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 you still got some millions. Help me out to preach the gospel. It won't change me. I'm not going to buy uh, a Range Rover. I'm not going to buy a big fine house on Pork Chop Hill. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to wear my black suits. My black tie. And uh, so whoever you are listening right now, stand with us. Pray for us if you know the word of prayer. If you're on praying ground, pray for us. And uh, also uh, help us financially. Uh, so that we can continue to go on for God. Lifting up Jesus Christ. Preaching the gospel in every country of the world. And, uh, uh, and for the glory of God. And for the lifting up of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, as the music begins to play here shortly, first of all, let's pray. Holy Father God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, for this privilege, blessing, and opportunity to preach your Holy Gospel again, to preach your Holy Word. Uh, Lord, in, uh, in line, Lord, we're not skipping and hopping in this campaign. We're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and I marvel at how you bring about passages right on time, and I'm sure that other expository preachers who are better at expository preaching than I am, uh, like Dr. John McNeil, Jr., uh, they have marveled at it. I have marveled at his preaching, how that any time I would visit, he would be in a series, but it was a timely message. It's amazing how your holy word is that way. I give you the glory, the praise, and the honor, and Lord, I pray that you'll help all of us to pray without ceasing, keep our heart and mind stayed on you, keep us, Lord, therefore, in perfect peace. And help us to do the things you want us to do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and forsake. Amen. God bless you dear friends. 
Until next time. I don't know why Jesus loved me.